the Quarantine Chronicles. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. This is another installment of your new favorite miniseries, The Quarantine Chronicles. This is episode number six in this sub-series. Today's date is May 25th, 2020. I'm Bill, and I'm joined here, as always, with Connor and Steve. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Doing well, you know. It's every day is pretty much the same at this point. It's all blur. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is Monday, but me. honestly, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could tell me this was Saturday and it would make no difference. Yeah, right. And <laughs> it's funny because we're always like days ahead, like when we record anyway, because obviously we don't record these the day that it comes out because, you know, we, you know. We just don't. So, like, we're recording this, like, like way in advance. So, it's just, like, no matter what the day is, we're always, like, stuck, like, in, I don't know, like, we're always, like, behind the curve. Just slightly. But, have you guys uh, found anything new or interesting in the past week? Actually, we didn't release an episode last week, so now you had two weeks to find some cool shit. I got the new EP by Future Pope. Um, the main track I'll take is communist spy. Nice. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I'm like a little biased with like the things I look for that are new. Um, black and death metal, I guess you could call them the band behemoth. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Yeah. They released an album in 2018. It was called, I loved you at your darkest and it was fucking awful. Um, but they're dropping a new EP on the 29th. It's four songs. They released the title track. The album's called a forest. Very typical black metal of them to call the album a forest. Um, but the first the first track, it's decent. I, I really don't like New Behemoth at all, especially their latest at full-length album. I was a huge fan of them, like from Demigod and like everything before, but their new shit's been really fucking tired lately. Yeah, I actually haven't listened to anything newer in their catalog ever, actually. Yeah, it's just like, because they're not like Dimmu, where they kind of got more experimental. They got like really like, a, like almost like an industrial sound behind them. And it's just, it's just not what I was accustomed to. When they, when they play live, they play a lot of their most recognized tracks and their good shit. So I saw them live with Slayer on their first farewell tour. Um, but yeah, they were fucking excellent with Slayer. It's just their new shit is just, they, they should stop recording. Going back to the previous episodes, they're one of those bands that just needs to kind of hang it up. Greatest hits era. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love Behemoth. Great band. But just, I mean, everybody has a, you know, a limit. <laughs> uh, this week, my newer interesting comes in the form of Gojira. Um, I caught oh. I caught their live video when they played at uh, Red Rocks in uh, Nevada okay. or wherever that is. Yeah. And dude, their fucking set was insane. Like yeah, they're um they're good. They're like, like, they're, yeah, they're another one of those bands recording wise. Like I'm never gonna put on a Gojira album. I just don't find them appealing. But then you watch them live, and they're like when we talked about like the last episode we did with like live bands and like the aesthetic they can put on. I mean beyond just acoustic settings, obviously, but just talking about live music, they're like one of those bands. Like I can appreciate them because they actually put on a you know well put performance, but. I mean, recording wise, again, they're just not a band that I just you know, I search for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I had stumbled onto them like, you know, down the rabbit hole, as you do on YouTube. And um, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me give them a shot. And um, yeah, I gave the I gave the show a watch. Gojira live at Red Rocks. That shit was it was fucking awesome. 
And uh, yeah, yeah. So check it out, all of you uh, people listening here that want to get your eco metal on. Yeah, we're giving you guys super, you know, quality selections here to expand the horizons. Between the three of us, there's no excuse for not finding something that fits your repertoire. That or at least like like everyone finding something that's new or interesting. Like, you know, we, I mean, it, let's not like sugarcoat it. We each of us have like our own like special like music taste. And, you know, granted, niche, we, yeah. we agree on a lot of shit, but there's also a lot of stuff that we don't agree on. And like the fact of having us three with such different opinions and usually like our suggestions and our uh, newer interestings are like fucking way, way different than anything that we would pick. Like, you know, each of us would pick for ourselves. All the listeners out there definitely have 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 had like their share of newer, interesting shit. And if they're sleeping on any of these suggestions or newer, interesting, then they're they're sorely missing out. I think the I biggest was, thing to recognize, too, is like the level of investment we put in this because we fail to realize that we're sitting with the chief editor of Wikipedia for every single that Bush ever put out. No, that's I only did Machine Head from 16 Stone and then the Razorblade 2K singles and the uh, Signs of Things. Singles. You don't need to be <laughs> humble, Connor. We know that you're the chief editor over there at the Bush Wikipedia page. Um, uncredited, of course. Sliver Cobain. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, what, what were you? What were you getting ready to say, Connor? Um, yeah, I was gonna say uh, I I tend to think of our tastes, our differing tastes on this podcast as like um pretty much from the uh like maybe sixties, seventies, and nineties school bills from like the seventies, eighties, nineties school, and Steve's kind of just like everything. Yeah, but I just got I just kind of have that part where, like I said, I get really biased when it comes to like death metal. Well, you you like like basically everything I like and basically everything Bill likes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm like, give I'm or, like give the medium bands. Yeah, I'm like the medium investment across the board. But like, if you asked me to like name some facts about Van Halen, I'd have to pass you over to Bill. And if I needed to know something about Neil Young, I'd have to pass you over to Connor. Exactly. I like. I I definitely feel like you know like where each of us has like our strong suits. We have our, you know, like our weak suits and that's where the rest of us kind of pick up the slack that kind of makes up this particular podcast that you're now listening to. Yeah. That's important too, because I mean, it's just like trying to debate music with people and like have a, you know, an actual conversation. It's like really difficult if someone's just narrow minded. I'll never forget. There was somebody in high school. I tried to show them fucking ride the lightning and they found out it came out in the eighties and they're like, Oh, I'm not listening to that. It's old. <laughs> I'm like, that's your argument. And you're not going to listen to it. Cause it's from the eighties. Meanwhile, I like the dudes listening to August burns red. And I'm like, where do you think these fucking bands get these ideas from? Are you fucking kidding me? I don't want to name any names, but uh, I think we can all kind of guess who it may be in these situations. Yeah, it wasn't me. I'll give you that yeah. hint. Yeah, it, it <laughs> definitely wasn't me. That's why either. I sat at your lunch table. That's why when I migrated to that school, I found out very quickly who I could not associate with. <laughs> There's no way. Listen, I, I got a Metallica tattoo on my arm. It definitely was not me. So oh, God. To me, like, yo, you ever listen to I Wrestled a Bear once? I was like, don't fucking touch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into on this day in music history. All right, 1970, Fleetwood Mac founder Peter Green plays his last official show with the band. Although he does fill in a few years later when they lose their lead guitarist. Who is their lead guitarist? Uh, Buckingham. 
Nah, Buckingham. Um, yeah, but Buckingham was the original guitar player in Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Nah. Um, nah. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham didn't join until the self-titled. Well, after Peter Green left. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay. it was Nixon and Buckingham that came in at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously McVie was still there because that's pretty much where the title came from for the band. I'm trying to think here. Come on, dude. You're like the fucking, you claim to be the resident Fleetwood Mac yeah, fucking expert. Yeah, you're the expert. Fleetwood Mac resident I here. just told you, man. I'm the guy that just has like basic enough knowledge to kind of steer you in the right direction. It's your goal to go on the fucking Wikipedia and figure out what the hell happened. Jesus Honestly, Christ. I probably have the most Fleetwood Mac albums here. You think so? I have Bear Trees, which is pre uh, pre Nixon Buckingham. Um, I have the self title. I have Rumors on vinyl and CD. I have Tusk. I have Tango in the Night. I have the Best of, yeah, and not the bullshit green Best of. I have the double disc white one. No shit. Yeah, funny thing though with Fleetwood Mac when Peter Green was in the band, they actually wrote uh, Black Magic Woman. That's oh, most I, notably known by Santana. No, I also have Mystery to Me. Yeah. I think I actually recommended Mystery. No, I recommended Tango in the Night once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, taking a big jump here to the year 1990, ZZ Top appear in Back to the Future Part 3, playing an Old West-themed rendition of their number one hit, Double Back. By far so, the best Back to the Future movie. Wait, what? Uh, really? No, nah, nah, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, Jesus Christ. We wouldn't like, have yeah. to like rethink. Yeah, we were going to have to rethink personnel on this show if that was actually going to be a legitimate statement. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Back to the Future Part 3 isn't like a horrible movie, but compared to it's Back to the right. Future 1 and 2, it, it doesn't hold way. up. Yeah, I'll put it this way. It's almost like in the same aesthetic as like, all right, the Godfather series. Like the Godfather like three Westerns. fell off so fucking far compared to the previous two. Back to the Future three is still totally watchable, but it just doesn't like compared to the first two. You couldn't even say that one's even close to the other two, or even Jurassic I Park. The, I would give the I, I'd take Back yeah. to the Future three over uh, Jurassic Park three. Yeah, but oh, think absolutely. about Jurassic Park That's what three I'm saying, in just, reference to the first two. Yeah. Yeah, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park 3, 3 was a way bigger drop trash. off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would give the first Back to the Future 5 out of 5, the second one 4.5 out of 5, and the third one probably 3 out of 5. I could agree with that. Yeah. Like Jurassic yeah. Park 3, the only thing they had going for them was they brought Dr. Grant back. That was it. That was yep. like the whole thing about, like, oh, this is going to be great, but it, dude, it was a very poor movie. You're not. Like, put it this I way mean, I'll watch Back to the Future 3 if it's on TV. Same. Jurassic Park 3 is on, eh. I get I get oh, a I'm kick out of Frank that. Gallagher being at Jurassic Park. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like why I watched Jurassic Park three now in the past. Pretty 10 years. much, yeah. To see him <laughs> totally be like a fucking wimp the entire time. Like, yeah, he's just like I don't know. I think we should listen to Doctor Grant, honey. <laughs> the <yeah>. whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Like Back to the Future Part three to me. Like seemed always like kind of hokey compared to the first two. Like the first one was the first one, and there's no denying like what it was. The second yeah. one like wasn't as good, but it was still really good. But like three, yeah. it was like you know they kind of did everything yeah. that they could, but they needed a conclusion to the series. But that's the thing. I think the fall off. Yeah, again, like the fall off just wasn't so drastic. It was just the other two set the bar so high that they really couldn't have a way without repeating themselves and becoming redundant. <laughs> Exactly. The, the second one, 
the second one doesn't hold up quite as well for me though because because of the I wish they would have stayed in the A, I wish they would have stayed in the future longer and B um since 2015 has come and gone and it, it, it makes what, that we still s- don't have automatic drying jackets and fucking hoverboards. Uh, yeah, the future and back to the future 20 the 2015 and back to the future 2 smoked the real 2015. <laughs> yeah. The real 2015. Yo, Marty had sucked. the right idea, though, man, with that sports betting. Like Doc Dude. Brown was totally in the fucking way with that. Yeah, Doc Brown was being a total fucking. If pussy they could have totally just kind of like merged together and said, you know, fuck what we're supposed to be doing, like let's actually just do this. I mean, they could have had it all. Doc Brown was totally fucking hindering the whole process. Marty should have just cut the brass tacks and been like, "Listen, old man, you know how many fucking DeLoreans you can buy with this book? How much plutonium?" <laughs> he should have just not even like. He should have been more protective of the fucking book. He had to act like a fucking nut after he had it. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, put it in his fucking pocket, and this the whole movie yeah, wouldn't have happened. Like nothing happened. Yeah, they let geriatric Biff fucking Grand Theft Auto their asses with <laughs> yeah, the time was machine. Crazy. I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" <laughs> Unbelievable! It was ridiculous. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. Let's let's go forward one more year to 1991. Uh, Billboard implements sound scan technology on their albums chart, replacing the decades-old system that relied on record stores to report sales figures. With sound scan, the sales are tracked electronically, providing much more accurate data. And it was fun fact. The only album to hit number one before and after the introduction of SoundScan was um, R.E.M.'s Out of Time. Really? Really? Yeah, it, it, it debuted at number one before SoundScan, like the week before SoundScan came out. And then in its second week, another album hit number one. And then in its third week, uh, Out of Time hit number one again. No shit. How do you feel about that album? Ah, it's one of the worst REM albums. Yeah, I was just gonna say that one was. I pretty much that, skipped that, that any time. That whole, that whole album was phoned in, I think, except for "Losing My Religion" and a, a, two or three other songs. Honestly, the rest of it, I think, is pretty much garbage. I think "Losing My Religion" is what killed me. Like, do you remember that fucking show where they used to just like play music videos over and over, and then pop up those little bubbles with all like the fun facts pop about the video. song? Yeah, pop pop up video. Pop yeah. up video. I used to love that, that shit. It. But Bobby I can't tell you how many times video. I fucking heard losing my religion on there. Like trying to like sleep late at night. Uh, yeah, and I'm dude, all fucked up. I remember just, seeing yeah, that dude. on there. I'm not even lying. Um, fucking. I mean, I like losing my religion. I think it's a great like 90s hit. Um, I think it's funny yeah, re- how that they wrote that song based off of just fucking around with a mandolin. Like they didn't really even know what they were doing with it. They just like picked it up and played that fucking riff. Yeah, I remember. I remember reading a Peter Buck interview, and he said that this he was complaining about when New Adventures in Hi-Fi came out that it didn't sell a lot. That's like their that's their album from like '96 or '98 or something, and uh, I think '96. And uh, what's McCall? He's like the same people that were telling us what you want to release the one with the mandolin with no chorus as the first single were the ones telling us, oh, you got you got five top ten records on this album. <laughs> <laughs> Um, awesome. yeah, I recently listened to a, uh, a major key remix of losing my religion on YouTube and it, it sounded just like a Smith song. It was kind of funny. <laughs> That's funny. I'm- All right. Uh, I'll take us to 1996, I guess though. Um, Brad Knoll, frontman of sublime dies of a heroin overdose at the age of 28, just one week after marrying Troy Dendiker, the mother of his 11 month, 11 month old son, Jacob. 
I was never a giant Sublime fan. Really? I, yeah, I never I, liked I, I've them. I've been getting back into Sublime lately, honestly. Like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm, I find this odd. Who that I didn't like? Sublime's Sublime? awesome. Yeah, I find this odd, Bill. I don't know. Like Sublime is Sublime's the Nirvana of the late '90s. That's how I look yeah, at it. Yeah, because like I th- it, now let me ask you: Is it because of like the overhype? To a degree, but at the same time, they both had like perfect albums that were like. That's what I'm saying. No, like I, I no I, one I can't, else like, could have made. No one yeah. else could have made Nevermind or or the self-titled Sublime album. I think what yeah, it like was 40 is to freedom. I mean, uh, yeah, Forty Ounces to Freedom too. That's like. I've I've heard that be called the I forget who what publication said it was like this, but I've heard that be compared to the dark side of the moon in the nineties, and that's actually in my book a pretty spot on comparison. It really is, yeah. No shit. Culturally wise, because I mean it wasn't nearly as big as Dark Side of the Moon, obviously, but it was that album that kind of like sounded like nothing else at the time, and it was an album you could just fucking sit around for two, an hour and a half with your buds and fucking yeah like those three meat out <laughs> all the way from like 40 ounce robin the hood and then the self-title i mean just they're just such good albums robin the actually, hood is actually the only one i have <laughs> yeah robin it's funny that is like another one of those weird cds that i used to see all the time at like people's houses like oh you got sublime yeah and i would see that album cover i'm like that's not the one i'm accustomed to <laughs> well dude i I got that at Best Buy for like five ninety nine, brand new. It was I oh, like yeah. my, my dad has all the Sublime CDs except Robin the Hood, so I saw that and I was like, all right, we could have all the Sublime CDs in the house. But perfectly. yeah, um, maybe I need to give them like a listen to them. Maybe I need to give them a listen, like, like yeah, as an adult, give them, like now. a real thorough, yeah. Because honestly, Definitely dude, like it, it's not that I like I hated them. It was just like, Bro, yeah, this isn't for me. Give that self-title a listen, bro. You'll find yourself pleasantly surprised in how consistent it is and how good the, the guitar playing is. Yeah. Okay. The, the guitar playing's awesome, dude. He kind of reminds me of Stevie Ray Vaughan, not in like his like ability, but like his like Feel? his raw his rawness. Like he was just the fucking. He was just like a bigger dude fucking playing guitar on fucking beaches in California. Okay. All right, well, I'll give him a listen. Definitely. All right, so next thing we got here is year 2002. The mosh pit goes horribly wrong at an M&M concert in Washington, D.C.'s RFK Stadium, and at least 25 people are injured. I mean, 2002 M&M, I can totally (laughs) understand that. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just saying, who who could have predicted this? <laughs> Vi- violence at an Eminem concert? No way! It's fucking strange, right? Well, when the, uh, when the Eminem show come out? It hadn't come out by two thousand two, two thousand one or two. Really? Yeah. Let me see. I got the CD right here. For some reason, I thought it was later. Two thousand two. Okay. Yep. Maybe they fucking heard White America and they're like, "Whoa, this shit's tight," and then they just started throwing oh, yeah. down. Well, and they don't realize like white America. White America is like an anti like white nationalist song. Dude, I love White America. That that's one of my favorite songs. White America. White America is basically just Eminem being like, "I'm a white kid coming from a black culture, and I hate white culture that is racist." (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's. That's the gist of White America to me. White America is one of my favorite off of the Eminem show. 
then Till I Collapse, Square Dance, and Business. Those are my like top four on that album. Bi- business was fire when it came Dude, out. Dude, I remember hearing Business for the first time, just going, "Holy shit!" So square Square Dance was the shit. Yeah, yeah. Eminem show. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty hard to deny the uh, accessibility and consistency of that. Yeah, yeah. Like pretty much, yes. if you don't like the Eminem show, you're just a fucking asshole. Like pretty much. <laughs> like I like I have. Yeah. Uh, I have problems with some of the lyrical content, but um, it's a it's a very uh, listenable listen. It's a very like <laughs> nostalgic listen too, like especially like us like it growing really up is. with and it. I actually put that for that fucking thirty day thing, like a song that like reminds you of your childhood. I forget which I would lose you or till I collapse. Yeah, I think yeah, you I picked business. No, I picked till no, I, I collapse. Till I, collapse. I remember hearing it and just going like fuck yeah, and I turned it on. Yeah, it's just such a fucking good song, dude. And it's funny, we're all like white with suburban kids, but that song totally just like made you feel. Well, like, that's the yeah, thing. Like you put the Eminem show on, it doesn't matter where you're at, you instantly get transported to the hood. Yeah, that totally like unified a whole community of just you know angry teenagers. All right, so what's our last thing here in music news? So we got in 2012, fast forwarding ten years, at a concert in Atlantic City, New Jersey, garbage lead singer Shirley Manson interrupts a performance of Stupid Girl to challenge a member of the crowd who was punching a woman. Wow. Tear it up. Of course, only yeah, in New I mean, Jersey. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we have some wife. Be- like, and it's funny, too, because you wouldn't think, like, like a, a wife-beater dude or whatever like would really be into, like, garbage. Yeah, I know, right? That is strange. It, like... I'm only happy when it rains. Like they're, they're like they're not like a macho band. Like uh, that's funny. Hey, I wonder where they were playing in Atlantic City. They they probably weren't playing like the Borgata House, or nothing. It could be House of Blues. I wouldn't think House of Blues. Like they're probably playing at House of Blues or I would Hard say Rock, yeah, that's the or, first or one yeah. of the casinos. Yeah, like they might have been playing at the pool after dark or some shit like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's a possibility. Huh. Well, um, were you say? Yeah, continue. Oh, um, I was just gonna say like the biggest garbage hits are "Only Happy When It Rains," "Stupid Girl," and "Number One Crush." Like they're like they're like a pretty girly band. Like no, yeah, no real point intended there, but like um. They're, they're just not macho, you know. Like it's it's that's that's a weird headline to me. Yeah. Hm. Well, this week we, we had all mentioned this before, and obviously, like the talk of Eminem earlier, and like it bringing you to like a nostalgic type place or whatever. Going off of that, I want to talk about some of the most iconic intros to songs, like ever. Like obviously, like for those people that aren't sitting in the room our respective rooms with us we have a list of songs but obviously like these are just like jump off points like there are way more iconic intros than the ones that are named here um i guess do we just want to throw out a couple and talk about them and as we're talking we just start throwing out more and more of them um there's yeah, two on time. there that really stick out to me or three i'd say that really stick out to me um Smells like Teen Spirit, Iron Man, and um, We Will Rock You. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hot for Teacher, 
that that drum intro is absolutely incredible. I mean, first off, it's a, an amazing feat, but it's also like one of those things like you hear it and it's like, yep, shit's about to get real. And I think, too, it's like, yeah, because I mean, even that intro alone, I mean, that goes to show you a certain songs. It's like you can hear the first five seconds of it and know exactly what you're listening to. Like Hot for Teacher, you mentioned it, like smells like the, but like Seven Nation Army's also on here. And I remember when that song came out and that's like all I knew of the song as like a kid. Yeah. Like that intro was just, it was so simple, but it was almost like a fucking like, you know, JG Wentworth commercial where you know every part <laughs> of it just because you've heard it so many times. Yeah, but you want to talk about simplicity, simplicity, Pantera's walk. It's only two fucking oh, notes. Yeah. And if you like, even yeah. if you're just a casual music fan, you hear that. Dun, 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 it's like, oh shit. Like this is Pantera's yeah. walk. Yeah. Highway to Hell's the exact same way. Like Connor said, yeah. we will rock you. Dude, you don't even have to be a fucking music fan to know that. You could live under a rock yeah, and only listen Highway to podcasts, to and you know we will rock you. Highway to Hell was probably my, my fourth on the list. Back in Black's and another yeah. good one. ACDC has a yeah, lot of good intros. You give Love a bad name. Yeah, Not to yeah. plug Bon Jovi here, but I always thought that was a pretty... Actually, a couple Bon Jovi songs. Um, Wanted Dead or Alive yeah. had a pretty iconic intro. Um, you give love a bad name, living on a prior, definitely. Yeah. Um, like again, not the plug Bon Jovi. I hate Bon Jovi, but I mean, you hear that shit, you immediately fucking know what it is. Well, even a band like <laughs> in that kind of vein too. Think of Journeys, Don't Stop Believing. Oh yeah, totally yeah. iconic. You hear that yeah. fucking piano intro, and it's like okay, and it doesn't matter who Here you are. Yeah. Like even if you don't sing it out loud. The second that fucking piano comes in, like in your head, you're like, just a small town girl. <laughs> you could be anybody. You could be a fucking badass biker dude and you're singing it. Yeah, yeah. I would throw California Love on this list too. Oh, yeah. Did you talk about oh, like but a G acapella thing. intros too when we've mentioned like sticks, like Renegade? Yeah. Oh yeah! Like as soon as that kicks on, it's like, even like "Come Sail Away," like all those fucking songs. Like that was like the big thing with like those more commercial radio hit songs. Where I mean, because you even mentioned Pantera's "Walk," like that's probably like the only Pantera song aside from "Cowboys" that you'll like hear consistently on a radio station. Yeah, that's true. Burning down the house from uh, Talking Heads is Talking coming heads, to mind yep. too. Yeah, um, yep. that's a pretty iconic intro. Life during <laughs> wartime. Not- yeah, um, once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, smoke on the water. Doing time. That's a pretty iconic. Yeah, smoke on the water smoke for the water. sure. It, it, Man in the box. Um, that smoke on the water is is a very famous intro. Yeah, well, I, that's <laughs> kind of surprising. It took us this long to mention it. Actually. Well, it's funny because you know we're all guitar players, and like being a guitar player, like chances are that was like one of the first like riffs that you have ever learned. Oh yeah! Like even before you heard even the whole fucking song, wrong. you just heard dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, I just had another one. Um. Where the hell was it? I'm looking at my CDs. Cheating. <laughs> um. Damn! I just had another good one. Oh, "Blister in the Sun" by the Violent Femmes. Yeah. You could say "No Rain" too by Blind Melon. Yeah. Oh yeah! Stairway to Heaven. Should I, iconic one. Sh- should I stay or should I go? By the Clash. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you have Stairway on here, too. You mentioned Bill with, like, Zeppelin. But think about how many Zeppelin songs have, like, an intro that immediately, like, you know, like, it just... Yeah, but I think like I think resonates. Stairway is like the pinnacle for like Led Zeppelin's intros, oh, yeah. except maybe like Rock yeah, and Roll so too. Like the yeah, well, I mean, even like Dazed and Confused, Communication Breakdown. Yeah, that's true. I mean, whole lot of love, Black Dog and fucking Cashmere are like the two that really because like my dad used to listen to those all the time. Whenever I think of Kashmir, I always think about in fucking Fast Times at Ridge Mile High. He's getting <laughs> fucking um, advice from Damone. He's like, and when you want, and when the night's coming to a close or whatever, he's like, you want to put on Led Zeppelin two? It never fails. Or he's like, you want to put on side two of Led Zeppelin two? Or no, he's like, you want to put on side two of Led Zeppelin four? And yeah, then when they're yeah, driving yeah. in the car, he's listening to fucking Kashmir. Yeah, I'm that like, confused doing, the bro? shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I can't believe you brought that up. That brought back so many fucking memories. Because I remember seeing that, and like I had to look that up because I was like, "Oh, I gotta get Led Zeppelin four And like I could never find that song on there. I went and searched like every downloaded track that I had on LimeWire. I downloaded the entire album. Like, what the fucking song I, is this? I think that was intentional because because the date was going bad. It was like he fucked up the advice. It was like, bro, you were supposed to put on side two of Lud's Up on four, not fucking side <laughs> ten of fucking physical graffiti. Fucking <laughs> the <laughs> 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 Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, another good one. It's just that first opening chord, but that's pretty iconic. Yeah. ACDC has a ton of iconic intros. Like you actually, if you look at like the Back in Black album as a whole like that is an album full of intros that everybody yeah, remembers like, like shoot well, the yeah, thrill that was like angus's big thing too like those really catchy intro riffs kirk Cobain always stuck up for back and black which always surprised me really yeah he, yeah he always said that uh his favorite albums when he was younger were albums this is like an exact quote he said his favorite albums when he was younger were albums like rocks by aerosmith back in black by acdc and Nevermind the bollocks by the sex pistols who just were all no all filler no killer or all killer no filler and uh no bad tracks like you didn't have to skip anything huh uh, so back in black partially inspired Kurt Cobain to make albums that didn't have filler tracks, which was not the industry norm. That's kind of crazy. Still isn't. I, I never would have pegged Kurt Cobain as citing ACDC as a major influence. Well, especially uh, Brian it. Johnson or ACDC. Yeah. He loved ACDC, Led Zeppelin, and Aerosmith, he, and Black Sabbath. Like He loved his big 70s hard rock bands. Yeah. And there's another iconic intro, fucking Dream On. Yeah, Dream On. Oh yeah, definitely. iconic enough walk to where Eminem used it. Yeah, walk, walk this way too. Yeah, walk this way. That's yeah. another huge one. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, and then you think about Run DMC too. Exactly. I feel yep. like Aerosmith's "Walk This Way" has like had it's become like it has a life of its own outside of Aerosmith. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's people that know that song that don't even go like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, Aerosmith. You know I what think one I just too, thought of? What? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think, too, how we mentioned, like, Run DMC comes to mind as well with, like, Walk This Way, Eminem with Dream On. Like, even, like, with the Stones, when you think of, like, the song Gimme Shelter, I mean, as soon as I hear that intro, I think of every fucking, you Vietnam know, Scorsese film. Yeah. Like literally yeah, every okay. single one. Anytime I hear fucking any Creedence song, any intro to like, especially um, like 
wow. run through the jungle. Fortunate son, especially. Yeah, welcome yeah, to I the mean, jungle. Like, That's a yeah, big dude, one. I mean, all these intros, it's like when they get used in like more so of like a pop culture sense and by other artists, they like become even further embedded because obviously you're not going to pick a song more times than not in like a blockbuster movie that's not going to be utilized and be a very popular hit. Oh, yeah. And that really starts because you only get, what, 30 seconds, 20 seconds sometimes to be able to utilize a song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even going back to what you're saying a little bit ago about the Rolling Stones, start me up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's totally iconic intro. Like, everybody fucking knows that. Yeah. Um, You know, it's it's a newer one that I just thought of. Hella good by no doubt. Call me, call me crazy, but in like the early two thousands, you could. I don't know if it was because I lived in Florida and it was like tropical and shit, but like that, you couldn't go anywhere from like two thousand two to like two thousand seven without hearing like Hella Good by no doubt. That dun 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 dun. Yeah, that shit was everywhere. Like, That's funny you brought that up. Um, <laughs> I have a couple no doubt CDs. Fucking connection to Bush there. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I mean, like, I wish, like, I don't know. Like, I want to, I want to throw out a couple Van Halen songs, but I don't think really besides Hot for Teacher, there's any real, like, iconic intros. Well, I mean, you jump. could say jump. Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah, Pretty Woman. You could. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, that was me like being younger and hearing that song. I mean, think about how many songs that we had to find out afterwards that were covers, and that was like one Panama of them. That, too, honestly. Yeah, Panama's or the Panama's intro is probably my favorite, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's pretty. That's iconic like the intro. only song that like kept me hanging on to fucking Van Halen as being able to like, actually enjoy them. I mean, Hot for Teachers probably cooler than the Panama intro because of like the cool shit they did with the drum sounds, but Panama is probably more iconic. Like more people hear Panama the first ten seconds of Panama and be like, "Oh, that's Van Halen, man." Yeah, you know what I mean, actually, definitely. Um, yeah, you know it's funny. I was watching um Family Guy, and there's a fucking episode where like Lois makes Peter like go to the library and start reading books. So, like, she tells him to go read the book 1984, and he picks up the Van Halen album thinking it's an audiobook. And, <laughs> and like, he shows back up to the house with, like, a mullet and, like, a fucking denim vest. He's like, this 1984 book is the shit. <laughs> and, like, every scene they show him in the car, he's listening to Panama. Like, it's the only song he listens to on the album. That's awesome. <laughs> and then uh, I think, like, the the ongoing joke with the chicken with Peter Griffin, like he's like going to drag race him and like the fucking chickens listening, like Simon and Garfunkel or something. So he puts on the fucking Van Halen tape or CD and then he fucking crashed the car and winds up going into a coma. I mean, that's not the funny part, but (laughs) (laughs) the fact that Van Halen put Peter Griffin in in a coma was pretty funny. (laughs) Um, All right. So what do you want to do? You want to come to like a consensus here and like just pretty much say our, our favorite intro song. Well, I want to go one step further. Do you think out of the ones that we discussed, we could say what is the most iconic intro? No, it's got to be. I think it's I queen. Mean, I don't we, think you can narrow, but to be one, honest with you, overall, it's got to be smoke on the water. In my opinion, I think we will rock you. I think we will rock you too. Like that's transcended um, even into sports. Like you go to a sporting event. Yeah. Yeah, we will rock you. Is just global at this point. Like, 
That shit's in space. Um, didn't didn't you bring a tape of I, that? that didn't, didn't you bring a queen tape into space with you? Probably. I do want to add a uh, bulls on parade. Into, oh, um, yeah. Like, I mean, it's not the most iconic of all time or anything, but I do deserve. I think it's uh, noteworthy, at least. It is definitely noteworthy. <laughs> Actually, a lot of fucking a lot of rage intros. Like Renegades of Funk. Yeah, killing in the name. Killing in the just name. In general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gorilla Radio, yeah. even. Yeah, Gorilla Radio, definitely. Testify. People, um, the sun. I'm trying. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, well, the sun. Yeah, that's great intro. Like, dude, when you showed me that song for the first time, I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Just when I didn't <laughs> think Rage Against the Machine could get any better." Evil Empire is my favorite. I love Evil Empire. <laughs> All right, so I'm, uh, I've been I've been a battle of Los Angeles guys the past this couple weeks, man. That that, that album for some battle reason. Battle Los Angeles really, is still good too. Yeah, I've I been really that, attached. Yeah. I'm like with Alice and Change them. Like I said, I shift depending on like the moods. Rage Against the Machine, the Rage Against the Machine, and Nirvana are the two bands where I really probably could never pick a favorite album. Honestly, yeah. like I really can't pick between the three Rage Against the Machine albums and then Nevermind and Utero and Unplugged. Yeah, I even can put Bleach in there sometimes, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even like I there's mean, some like like for some reason like even when I hear Nirvana live and like hear the track Blue, like Blue on the album to me, yeah, is, Blue's awesome. Yeah, it's just so Negative fucking green. good, dude. Yeah. Oh wait, School, did we go yeah. down to the third page or the second page? There's a couple more on there. Oh uh, yeah, I saw. I saw. <laughs> for whom the bell tolls, I saw Layla. Yeah. And beat it, beat it. Um, beat it is a good one. Thriller's excellent too. Oh yeah, I do like I do like beat it. Actually, Thr- Thriller has a lot of good intros. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the whole album. Yeah, yeah. the whole um, fucking album's insane. The whole album. But so I guess the general consensus is, "We Will Rock You" could potentially be one of the most iconic intros of all time. Yeah, I would say overall. Now that you put it yeah. out there like that, how far it transcended beyond just like being a hit song on the radio. Exactly. It got utilized. And so, like even that episode of South Park, you remember the episode where fucking they're kind of making fun of like high school musical and the dad was like, yeah. you know, super soft. And then he all of a sudden he goes to a basketball game because someone's played basketball and they all start doing like the intro. Yep. He gets all like pumped up because like people are like doing choreography and stuff. <laughs> I've been on the South Park yeah, I mean, kick lately. That, yeah, that song goes like way beyond just music in general. Yeah, it's like I said, you don't even need to be a music fan to know that. Like literally, I guarantee yeah. you, like kids come like pre-programmed out of the womb. Like if you go like boom, boom, they fucking clap their hand. Oh, definitely. We're gonna have to try this when Will and Cindy's kid comes out. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes, when it comes yeah, out, when it comes out, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, we're gonna welcome, you know, uh, little baby Blemings into the world, and I'm gonna go and see if it claps. <laughs> it might, dude. Seriously, if, is, you is should it, tell me. Yeah, uh, you should tell me what happens with that. I could probably write a whole paper on it. Is it getting released on Tuesday, like all the other new uh, releases? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's coming out. <laughs> It'll be dropping soon. All right. So let's get into our personal suggestions of the week. Um, who who wants to go first? 
I'm going to take uh, Public Enemy's third album from 1990, Fear of a Black Planet. I'm going to, uh, for new listeners, I'd recommend the track 911 is a joke to get going. Nice. Solid. My suggestion for this week is the 2016 uh, album Magma from Gojira. And the song choice that I have is called Only Pain. The reason I chose this song is the first time I heard it was from my new and interesting from live at Red Rocks. It's it's what Gojira opened the show with. And honestly, like it was a pretty fucking solid opening song. And listening to the studio version, it did give me like the same feeling of like, oh, shit, shit's about to get really fucking real here in a minute. It makes me really care about the earth. Because I I don't know if you guys know it, but that's kind of their like that's their like bag, like their progressive metal groove metal. But their like genre, I guess, is called like earth metal or eco metal. Like, yeah, that's why they always have like the flying whales and shit. Yeah, like literally their music is strictly about like saving the earth and saving the planet and mother earth and shit like that. So, you know, it's kind of a band I can really get behind. Like I care about the earth. I recycle. <laughs> That's very I, good. I do my part. I drive a low emissions <laughs> vehicle, drive a Honda. It, I got don't litter. Yeah, I don't litter. I have a nice little side, uh, like a little sticker on the side of my car that says ultra low emissions vehicle. So, you know, I, I'm playing my part. All while listening to Gojira. It's just, it's a total fucking package. What, what are your dream cars, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> well, for... It's definitely a Tesla, isn't it? <laughs> for those listening... Prius, uh, Prius Prime. Yeah, for those listening to this podcast that don't know, I am an avid car lover. And my my ultimate dream car is a Buick Grand National, but my, uh, like my number two would probably be like a 69, uh, super sport Camaro and pretty much any kind of big block Chevy car. That's really, really bad for the environment and really loud. One of my favorite pastimes is watching drag racing. So I'm pretty sure that's not good for the environment either, but listening to Gojira and giving those guys, you know, the spotlight and like supporting those guys makes all that stuff. Okay. Our group suggestion for this week is to check out the Kevin Smith directed Jay and silent Bob reboot. Not that we're running out of music movies to show you guys, but Kevin Smith films, not only are they, you know, worldwide known as like being like super funny fucking movies, but he has a track record of having very, very good soundtracks. And this film is no exception, especially with cameos from Method Man and Red Man, as Connor mentioned earlier. This, uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I mean, the, I have a lot of, I have high hopes for this film because I like, I like every Kevin Smith film. I really do. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. And after Connor saying, how much he likes this movie. Like me and Connor have a pretty similar taste in movies. So if he is to tell me that this is good, I'm going to take his word for it. So yeah, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Check it out. I liked it. 
All right, fellas. All right. So this is another episode of the Quarantine Chronicles in the book. Sooner or later, I hope sooner the ban is lifted and we're able to get back together and just, you know, have our really long ass episodes again because we can't help but talk when we're all together in the same room. It's not that I don't enjoy doing this, but it's it's a lot harder to like hold a conversation and like have shit be like super funny and like be like in the moment when you can't see the people you're talking to. Like I'm currently staring at my Funko pop collection of Metallica, Motley Crue, Kiss and Rush. And I got Biggie and Tupac staring at me, but Rob's on behind him. It's not the same. See, I'm lucky because I'm surrounded by like 700 CDs. <laughs> I got, ch- I'm surrounded by a so. bunch of books on how to stack pins at the bowling alley. I mean, I I do also have Chucky sitting next to me, too. So, I mean, I guess it's like having somebody here. But, regardless, this is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream, The Quarantine Chronicles, in the books. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get us on our social medias, Instagram and Twitter, at RATM Podcast. Our email is always open for submissions, questions, comments, criticisms, whatever you want. We can, trust me, we can handle it. You can get us at ratmpodcast at gmail.com. But until then, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for the evening. I'm Bill. I'm Connor. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.